Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am Brandon Goldner, and with me, next to me, virtually, not in real life, but across the screen, across the universe, in a totally different state, city, county, possibly even country, I don't know, but it is Ryan Whitledge. What's up, dude? Uh, not much, not much. Just got back from uh, the, the fun, long weekend camping trip, so that was... Uh... I, I'm just staring at a pile of stuff that needs to be unpacked and put away, but nobody has any effort or energy to, to even attempt to do that. That's actually a big debate is like, are you the kind of person that gets home and unpacks everything right away and cleans out the backpack and puts it all in its place? Or do you like kind of just like, ah, I'm going to decompress for a while? We're the uh, I'm going to decompress for a while kind of people. And just uh, this is how bad it is, is that when we went on our Arizona trip, uh, a month ago, two months ago, I don't know, spring break, a month ago, uh, when we got home, we set the suitcase off in its little corner of the bedroom or whatnot. In order to pack for this camping trip, oh I had to take things out of that suitcase. So Classic. Yeah, I, I, I think there's no wrong way to do it. I like to get everything out and just because it like if I don't do it, then it just like it's just not going to get done. It's like I have a problem lately it's been getting worse where i'm really good at doing the laundry not so good at folding the laundry and like and so it just sort of remains in this kind of clean clothes hamper and then i'll fold like a little bit of it and i'm like Ugh. and like i don't know what my problem is like it's not like it's hard to fold laundry i don't know i don't like putting the laundry away i will i will wash clothes i will dry clothes i will fold them all and i will make them into nice neat piles and there they stay it's funny you go so far <laughs> and actually fold them but then after that it's like nope yeah, I'm not doing anything. And then the wife's always like, why are you half-assing this? I'm like, I don't know. Hey, maybe you put it away. That's like and three yeah, quarters that's... assing it. That's not, yeah, that's a, I think that's more than half-assing. I think what I'm doing is a full half-ask. It's like, you've cleaned them, you've dried them, you've gotten them out, you've separated your stuff from someone else's stuff, and then that's it. That's about halfway. I think you're like three quarters, so you should get credit for that. My biggest thing is that, like, I'm simple. Like, I, I have a tiny section of the closet and one side of the dresser. I couldn't even, if you were to pay me a million dollars to go and try to guess where some of her things are put away, I couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. I'm getting, I'm getting better at that. And it's, it's weird how hard it is to know. She'll be like, hey, can you get my stuff out <laughs> so I can work out thing and then get my scrubs ready for work? And it's like, I should know probably because I've, I've done this probably a couple dozen times. And I'm saying, well, wait, is this the right drawer? Does this one have the workout clothes in it? Or is this like, it's just, it's embarrassing. Uh, but you know what's not embarrassing? What's not embarrassing what? is how the Blazers played in game four. How's <laughs> that for a transition? There you go. Yeah. You, you should you should get paid to do this professionally with segues like that. Instead of me paying the website domain place and the podcast place and paying for my equipment and for new software. Yeah, I'm paying myself to do this. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Blazers, they showed up in game four. Uh, they even the series at 2-2 with the Denver Nuggets with that 115-95 win. Uh, we are running without notes today because that's just how we're rolling. Let me ask you this, and we did not talk about this pre-show do you even want to talk about game three because you and i went to that in person which is super fun but it wasn't so fun the outcome but do you want to get well into that I, I think we can touch on it because there was a lot of stuff that you and i as we're as we're sitting there watching the game we're we're commenting on and and wondering if this was going to be a change and stats made or stuck with a lot of those changes to start off game four and i think that was a, a played a big 
role and and how that game was so those two games were so drastically different well why don't we start why don't we start there and i'll put you on the spot then so for game three the blazers obviously dropped that at home what was it during that game that you saw because like during the game i was like i was kind of getting upset and i was like tell me what adjustments they've made since game two right and you pointed a few out and i th- and like you just said i think stotts probably heard you from up in the 300 level and incorporated those into game four so what was happening in that game three that you didn't like and then what kinds of things were you calling for to change in game four let's just start there yeah, I mean, the biggest complaint that all of Blazerland has had is has been the the playing of Mello and Cantor together, especially if you're going to, you know, Anthony Simons has taken a lot of leaps and bounds here at the tail end of the season and in the postseason to be better on defense, but definitely playing Mello and Cantor together. And, and when you were yelling, you're like, why is Cantor in here? He's just getting roasted. <laughs> what it, what changes has Stotts made? And I pointed it out to you. I said, Cantor's in there with the starters, as opposed to Mello being the first guy off, or both of them coming in at the same time or Anthony having already checked in Stotts was trying to maintain some level of like defensive cohesiveness for as much as the first unit has by I'm going to play Cantor more with with some of these starters didn't work they immediately gave up a 14-0 run um the other the other wrinkle then is that Cantor then only played six minutes that game and going into game four Cantor played three minutes of garbage time so and we saw Rondé Hollis Jefferson get get um uh, a real go at it. Uh, he's not. I mean, he's not like this all-world stopper, but it's it's a difference. And I think what people get confused about when they watch games, and they and especially with Stotts, and they hear the narrative that oh, he doesn't adjust, oh, he doesn't do this, oh, he doesn't do that. He you don't get wholesale. We're gonna change. Four different things in a game because it's kind of like a science experiment if you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't you don't change all the variables at once there are those little benchmarks of like i'm going to try this wrinkle okay that didn't work let me try this and kind of moving through it i think what you just described is maybe a very generous take on Stotts's maybe the fact that he's slow to adjust and that was my gripe that the adjustment to get Cantor's ass off the floor in game three, when it was immediately, it was very obvious that he was a large part of the reason why the Blazers blew a lead and then were down double digits to end the first quarter in game three was because of Cantor. It wasn't all his fault. And so my gripe, what I would say is I hear what you're saying about you have to control one thing at a time. And and if you want to figure out what works, you can't just do everything because then how can you control for it? I guess my gripe with, with Terry Stotts, particularly in game three the adjustment was very obvious make it sooner like you don't have a lot of time with some of this stuff in the playoffs like you need to if something is very clearly not working you need to just go ahead and change it and like by the way you mentioned that Cantor in game three in that first stint was like you know a minus 14 in just a couple of minutes you think first of all I think you should have been pulled quicker than that, right? Like you could have mitigated that run just by subbing in Rondé Hollis Jefferson, maybe, you know, six points in, eight points in. But the second thing is Cantor came back and played again. I, I, I think the only reason why Cantor didn't play more in that game is because he got a flagrant foul. And I don't know if that got Stotts to thinking, like obviously he was still eligible to play. He wasn't ejected or anything. So I, I don't know. Like I, I think that your read on it is a generous read. I think it's fair. I just, I guess my gripe would be, I wish that adjustment would have come sooner. So, 
Well, yeah, and I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah, he maybe he rode that out a little too long, and you look no further than the box score itself. I mean, when Cantor came in, they, the Nuggets immediately went on that 14-15 point run, and you go and look at the box score. Uh, Denver wins the first quarter, thirty-nine to thirty. The Blazers win or tie all subsequent following quarters. Yeah. So the game, you can legitimately say that the game was lost at that five minute and 44 second mark when Cantor checked in. So let's talk about another thing from game three that then carried into game four. I think we could talk about this stuff in the context of uh, the game that they won in game four in a little bit, but uh, it was the minutes that Jokic was playing and Nurk was not on the court. Right, because that yeah. is what precipitated the run with Cantor being in there and Nurkic not being there. So that's another thing that a lot of people had been calling for. Why are you not mirroring Jokic's minutes with Nurkic, who through the first couple of games was leading the team, already was leading the team in individual plus minus something like seven or eight points better with Nurkic on the floor through the first couple of games. So even through the first couple of games before game three, you could be like, well, gee, if you get Nurkic on the floor with Jokic and just mirror the minutes, you know, that that might help. Like, I understand he fouled out in games two and games three. Um, but, you know, not having Nurkic on the floor when Jokic is on the floor, if the Blazers want to win this series, they just can't. I, I don't think that they can have even one single minute with Jokic being on the floor without Nurkic unless... Nurk has fouled out. I don't know what you feel about that. Yeah, I and mean, that's one of the things, you know, too, that I was calling for, you know, you know back to, you know, everybody having their discussions and, and Monday morning quarterbacking it on Twitter and whatnot. You know, one of my biggest things is like, all right, well, the, the biggest change that you have to make is that Nurk needs to mirror Jokic. And you're going to hope that Nurk can tire Jokic out more than Nurk would get tired himself in playing extended minutes playing that extra you know five six seven minutes a game that he's normally not used to playing so and and for all intents purposes it it seemed to work out beautifully in game four yeah no i think so too uh there is one more thing i want to point out from game three since we're talking about it and i i want to hear what else you have to pull from that too have you gotten your white claw yet are you still in line oh my lord (laughs) let's talk about that really quick so like hey you know covid protocols the blazers want you to pre-order your food and drink through the trailblazers app makes perfect sense you put the order in you pay for it you go five minutes later and and your drink or your food is sitting right there right nope because i ordered a white a mango white claw a 16.9 ounce mango white claw ryan and i know that you were making fun of me pretty heavy for that and i don't blame you but i ordered it at like what like five minutes to go in the second quarter something like that yep yep and i left and I was in line. I didn't come back to my seat until like eight minutes left in the third quarter. So I missed an entire quarter of playoff basketball waiting for this mango white claw. Here's what I have to say. I will, I will keep this brief. I was Hold on real yeah. quick. And the beauty of it is that I got up went and stood in line and ordered <laughs> myself food and drink and walked past you still standing in line after I got my stuff and made it back to my seat in time for the third quarter. I was done with my food by the time you got back. I was so pissed at you for that. It was such a – and you were very cool about it you weren't rubbing it in my face or anything but you looked a little smug walking by me uh, both times oh damn damn straight yeah, damn oh, straight for sure. uh 
the, I won't go on too much about that, but here's what I'll say is that I have a lot of empathy for the staff who are trying to work through that because clearly this was a software inventory glitch. They were out of a whole bunch of stuff. They were out of the Mango White Claw. They were out of the Modelo. And so people, like, it, not everybody had food. They had to prepare. It was literally like it could have just been you grab it and put it on the counter and, the, and wait for the person to call. They ran out. And so props yeah. to the staff trying there a lot of people were getting very angry i was trying my best to like remind people that you know we're still experimenting with covid stuff and it's not their fault and a lot of other people also were very understanding a couple people were angry so shout out to the staff they were doing their best and and one staff actually pulled a couple of us aside and we walked to um i think to the pines and she was able to grab some from their inventory I eventually got my my mango white claw. Was it worth it? N no, it wasn't <laughs> at all. I mean, again, like you missed an entire quarter of playoff basketball when it's like you you're they're just allowing fans back in the building, and so that was kind of a bummer. So, okay, that was something I observed. Uh, here was something else I observed. I had said in game three we need to be limiting Melo's minutes more. It was interesting in that fourth quarter in game three when the Blazers were down, and then they went on that run in large part due to Melo. Uh, it was interesting to note, I think you pointed it out, that Mello was actually supposed to check out of the game right before he went on that little microburst. I think Norm Powell was waiting, and I think that you said that Mello waved Powell off. I, I will say this, too. Norm Powell didn't look super stoked about that. I don't know if he caught no. that. No, no, he didn't. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean... It's that's kind of where like the mellow legacy. I don't think you're going to get a lot of players doing that to many other guys, but mellow has been around long enough. I mean, it's, and, and I, I can't think of a better way to say it. So I'm just going to say it this way. And I completely understand how ass night it sounds. It, I mean, mellow doing that to, to Norman Powell is no different than LeBron James doing that to, to any other teammate of, or whatnot. If, if he was going to go sit down kind of thing. And, and you can understand why I'm trying to preface that this is a very asinine thing to say, but right, I'm just using it as like the, the legacy in the NBA and the other one is not. Yeah, the other one's named LeBron James. I mean, oh my. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying, though, because obviously Melo has a lot of respect from players. He has a lot of cred. <coughs> I get that. It was I thought it was interesting that Melo then went on that tear that he did immediately after that. But then, you know, but then Melo stayed on the court when the Blazers desperately, desperately needed some stops, I rewatched some of the tape, some of the footage from game three at the end of the game where Nurkic fouled out, and then you had Robert Covington trying to guard Jokic. And so then the most important thing with that is, well, like, what's the off-ball help doing? If you're, if you're going to pretend to double or show that you're going to double and then pull it back, then you need to be quick to rotate. If, if Jokic is going to pass to somebody, you need to be quick to go contend. Well, guess what Carmelo Anthony he's not particularly good at lateral movement and contending on defense right so it's like yep. to have someone in there like a Rondé Hollis Jefferson may have made a big difference there was one play in particular where Jokic got the ball with Rocco on him and Melo is like in the paint and he literally looks like he sleepwalks towards Jokic which leaves Melo's man open I forgot if it was either Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon open directly under the hoop for a dunk and it's like that wouldn't have happened with Robert with Rondé Hollis Jefferson on the floor so I guess I'm not saying that like leaving Melo in for that long was the reason why the Blazers lost game three I don't think that's true but I think in general 
I was after game three calling for less mellow. And I think I would, I, I, I stand by that, even though they won game four in pretty convincing fashion. Yeah. And one of the, one of the other bigger adjustments I've, I saw from game three to game four is that there was the concerted effort. Um, I don't know. It's driving me nuts. I can't remember the guy's name. I want, I, for, it's in my head that it's Kirk Kingsbury, but I could be wrong, Kirk but he does Kingsbury? all like, yeah. There we go. The guy with the shot charts yeah, or whatnot. The, if, the, yeah, the, just, yeah. yeah. If you go back and look at his of Jokic, because he came out and put put him out for the star players for all the playoff teams. Jokic, everything for him is straight down the middle. If you get him on the edge of the court, that's when he's not as efficient. But if you get him, draw a straight line from the hoop to the freaking center court, anywhere in that, he is fantastic. And I noticed a little bit that the Blazers were starting to like show or, or hedge a little more with their help defense on him if he caught in that straight line. They were fine with him out on the elbows. They were fine with him on the angles or whatnot. But you start seeing help defenders kind of step off their man a little bit, not not fully committing to the double team, but kind of hedging towards that way to, to make him second guess or something or try to maybe even force him into, oh, the double team's coming and try to get him to pass, in which then you already got a guy halfway there, steal, open transition, dunk. Yep. I think that I think that's fair. So let's actually. Is there anything left from Game Three? Or do you just want to kind of dip into Game Four now? Because that do we, uh, d- depends on if you want to uh, fall back into the trap of shitting on the refs and never and half blaming oh, the refs. But I, sure, there you know whatever. I that wouldn't have made the difference in the game. Um, no. In Game Three, I, I think that. And also, let's be fair. The, the Nuggets hit some shots that they're not normally going to hit. You know, Austin Rivers. You got the Austin Rivers. You know, he looks like an NBA player. Moment. Yeah. Good for him. That's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. It is in the game plan to let Austin Rivers shoot. So I'm just, you know, that would be every other playoff team's game plan against against the Nuggets, and it just so happened he hit him. Yeah, and and so to your point about how they're defending Jokic and transitioning to Game Four, which is a much more fun game to talk about, which I got to go to with my girlfriend Cassie. It was awesome, a uh, ton of fun. It was over. It was over a couple minutes in the third quarter another thing the Blazers did start doing with Jokic too is on screens and uh, this is again tough to do without stuff in front of me so I'm going off the top of my head so you can tell me if I am wrong about this but they were they were literally just letting the ball handler that non-Jokic player have whatever they wanted and they were like Nurkic don't move from Jokic like don't even pretend to just stay there stay home like make Denver's guards who are not particularly good shooters to your point, let them do whatever they want and just, just take it away from Jokic in those pick and roll situations. Yep. Yep. I saw that too. And, um, one of the other things that, that kind of stood out to me, I mean, especially just looking back at the box score, um, you know, the, the Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter jr. Combining for nine points is, is not something that is probably going to happen again. You know, we we keep it's always the what's sustainable, what's unsustainable, or whatnot. But them combining, you know, to grand total shoot three of ten for nine points, probably not going to happen. But Michael Porter Jr. Uh, yesterday in one of his press things said that he feels he needs to be more aggressive, and that you're going to get a different showing out of him in Game Five. And I'm not going to lie, Michael Porter Jr. is the one I want saying that because he is the streakiest of those two. Right. Aaron Gordon is a little more proven of a player, but Michael Porter Jr. he has the ability to both shoot Denver into a game and out of a game. And so if he's going to put his head down and try to take a shots for one, okay, that's less shots for Jokic, and for two, I mean, 
take a buttload and miss a buttload, hopefully. Right. And also, though, to be fair, like part of the reason why, for example, Michael Porter Jr. only got three shot attempts the entire game was because of how he was being guarded. And I think that yeah. a lot of that has to do with Robert Covington. His defensive impact was huge. Norm Powell in particular. And I think it's it's hard to talk about this game without maybe starting with either individual player, either Nurkic or Norm Powell. Let's give credit to Norm Powell. This is the Norm Powell game. He really, really looked like he gave a shit in a way that was, it was visible from where I was sitting very far from the court, right? Like offensively, defensively. um, Yeah. And something that you and I actually talked about in person during game three was that Norm Powell, like he's, he is the 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 player on the Blazers who has some modicum of ball handling ability who will just do stuff that feels kind of frenetic or erratic or will just kind of punch in there really quickly unexpectedly kind of jaggedly like CJ's very smooth Dame is 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 very meticulous and he's a slower paced player but like Norm Powell like he can just jab in there and like th- that's a combination of skill and energy which I think really really helps Helps the Blazers in this series, so I don't know. Yeah, it, it just and all the star, all the Norm Powell stars kind of aligned during this game. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, for him to, I, I loved it too because you could see Norm is one that you're not see, you don't see a lot of smiles on his face. It looks like he does very much <laughs> like in internalize the game or what or whatever, and and like he lit plays with this complete like you know kind of fuck you mentality and so to see him two or three different times over the game you know he'd come up with a big shot they end up, or and, or he gets an and one or whatnot and he's just looping around and doing his freaking flex and whatever that's how you know it, i think i saw him crack a smile once i'm like all right now he's into it now he's checked in now he's invested and it's also good for for i think it's good for everybody up and down the roster um, to kind of have a game like that, especially in early, early playoff series, because that just provides all the more confidence. I mean, like, we've been talking about, like, you know, hey, would Norman Powell stay? You know, what's his role if he's not getting his touches? Well, great. He just saw what he can do in this offense. Right. Uh, you know, and th- I think that 29 points, that was a playoff career high for him. I think it if tied, I'm not mistaken. So, it tied it. Or tied yes, it? Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. you're right. And, like, that's the kind of thing like there has been no reporting to this effect, but it, it would not shock me if after game three, if Damian Lillard, if CJ McCall, if someone came up to Norm and said, tapped him and just said, hey, like, do your thing. Like, we need you to do your thing, because if the Blazers can put that much pressure on a not very good Denver defense, <coughs> that helps them a lot, right? Like, just having that was the whole thing going into this series of the Blazers have more options than the Nuggets do. And so yeah. when Norm Powell plays like that, it's sort of like a proof of concept that you can get that from a player like him. Uh, and, and sort of uh, the other side of that coin is Damian Lillard going one for 10 with 10 points in a game that the starters effectively won by 30. I know the Blazers won by 20 points, but during the competitive portion of the game, the Blazers were up by about 30 points. Uh, Do you have any thoughts or concerns or maybe the opposite? Are you encouraged by the fact that our teams, our teams, the Blazers, we could say our team, sure, our team's best yeah. player. It's, oh, we're part of the team, yeah. too. Uh, Collective pronouns, Mike Richmond. There you go. <laughs> I, 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 you know, anyway, that, I'll leave that aside. Uh, do you have any concerns or maybe you're encouraged by the fact that Damian Lillard, the team's best player, you know, he only made one shot in this game, and yet the Blazers won by, by so much. Like, does that, or is that just sort of like, is that one way or the other? Do you take anything from that? 
Well, it's a fun little dichotomy because I mean, you 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 compare Dame's how or Dame's box score to you know Jokic's box score, and everybody's talking about how Jokic played so poorly and he was so limited and whatnot. Uh, he uh, box score wise, he's got a much better game than than Damian Lillard. But the funny thing was is that I was sitting there watching that game, and so yes, I was camping, but it is one of those uh, campsites that does have like the activity room or whatnot. So uh, I did wander in there and take over the TV and had the entire activity room to myself for watching watching the game on TV. But uh, Good man. But no, it, Jokic, when you watch the game and you're putting it to the eye test, you can tell Jokic played like crap. Every time that the broadcast reminded me that Dame had only made one field goal or had yet to make a field goal or was, you know, 0 for 7, complete, I could not have told you that that was the case because he, he was literally just setting the table and using his presence to bend the will to open up the floor for guys like Norm and everybody else to do what they were doing. And so I don't view it wasn't a bad Dame game. You know, box score wise, numbers wise, stats wise, yeah, sure, he didn't put up. But he did exactly what he needed to do so his teammates could succeed. And that's what you want from your star players. You want them to make the team better, make the players around them better. And then if need be, if when, you know, last second shots, those kind of things. Dame did what he needed to do, and he put his teammates in a position to win this game by, I know it says 20 points, but it's 30 point blowout because up until the, you know, garbage time. But yeah. I, 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 I will say this, though, and credit to Denver because there were a number of shots that I saw that were very clearly not like Lillard-esque, these kind of like mid-range shots. He's being chased off the three-point line and also can't get to the rim, and so he like pushes up a floater or a mid-range where it's like, that's like a CJ McCollum-like kind of move and not something that we see as much from Damian Lillard. And also, like they're not all going to fall out the way that they did. Like Even if you force Dame into those kinds of shots, like on most nights, he's going to make more of them. On the other side, and you mentioned it, also, Jokic is going to make a, a, a large handful more shots than he did tonight. I mean, I kept looking over at Cassie and being like, holy shit, the Blazers are lucky he missed again. Like, he was wide open or he was shooting over the top like he always does. And it just, the, Jokic's shots weren't falling. But so I, I think maybe credit to Denver for putting Dame in a scoring position that he would prefer not to be in uh, many different times. But you're right. The real kind of like, the, the real takeaway from that is the Blazers have more weapons than Denver does. So you can take game, Dame out of the game, and it shouldn't matter. Like, the Blazers should win these games. They should be able to score more points. They are the more talented team in the series, and they're not always going to win by 30, but that was, um, you know, that was something that I saw. Yeah, and so I'm curious to see what, what his mentality, what his carryover for, for Game 5 is going to be. And a little, little weird thing on the schedule, like, I, I know... They're get they got the full travel day for this for game five, but they're going back to just the every other day. Yeah, for six and seven if need be. Okay, yep. all right, that's weird. I I thought they were going to maintain doing the two days, but all right. I think they and I like I I heard that is it's true in the Lakers Suns series where they just they don't have a lot of time for AD to recover or for Chris Paul to recover. Where it's like they're playing more frequently than they normally would because they're trying to compress the schedule down in order to get back on track for next year. Right, I think is part of the yep. thinking. Uh, but we haven't even talked really about Nurk yet. And look, like, Nurkic, the, I, I, it was so fun watching him play in Game 4. Man, it was so fun watching him play in Game 4. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was so fucking locked in. It was and he, unreal. And he is, su- he is such a ham for the crowd, too. 
it is great it's great the crowd the crowd is better game four winning helps but the crowd was just generally better i saw covington was doing this nurk was doing this i'm I'm waving my hand to like you know pump up the crowd but you're right he loves it i but like the biggest thing there's a lot you could talk about with credit to terry stotts for matching nurkic's minutes to Jokic perfectly so they both ended up playing the entire first quarter and i thought by the way it was an interesting look that we know that damian lillard always plays the entire first quarter it was interesting to see dame and nurk in the first quarter the entire time together it was just i don't know it was very fun to see but there's a lot you can take away from nurk but the biggest thing for me was his discipline he was absolutely disciplined in how he was playing defense on Jokic. He knew that he couldn't foul out. He got a, a, a couple of, of fouls that I don't think should have been called on him. He got one where he got his hands tangled up, but for the most part, he was keeping his hands visible. He was staying where he needed to stay. He wasn't doing dumb shit. Like He was really, really disciplined, and that that is what makes Nurkic the Blazers' second best player when he plays like that. Completely agree because the the biggest, I mean, the Blazers were within reach for for Game Three, but and, and as soon as Nurk fouled out, we all knew that that comeback wasn't happening. And, and I tweeted out immediately. Big, I said, "Game over." Nurk fouled out. Game yeah. Over. Yeah, and it's you see him do these stupid things like where when he falls on the floor, he is literally reaching up yep. and hitting somebody. And and when he's undisciplined like that, that's and then that just and again he's such an emotional player too that that just feeds into it because then he's frustrated by okay, well hey why 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 is there no whistle on this end but there is over here you know kind of Dame Damon tried to earn himself a fine by alluding to similar things but but you know and it just it's all this cascading failure of then Nurk's frustrated so he's not as disciplined uh anymore and he's he's committing even stupider fouls and like that and it's just like this echo chamber of of bad Nurk until there's no more Nurk in the game let me point something out at you saying it kind of uh, it triggered my memory that Again, I, I don't know if this has been reported, but it looked to me that the Blazers were very explicitly trying not to react to the foul calls this game. And there was one play in particular I remember very distinctly where Robert Covington was called for a foul when he shouldn't have been. And he immediately kind of put his hands on his head. And then almost as quickly as he did that, you saw almost as if like a, a warm blanket of serenity had been gently laid across his head. And he just went calm. He just went calm. And like that happened a couple different times. I think the Blazers talked about it before the game. They were like, we cannot react to the foul calls because it doesn't do any good. And it puts us in a bad headspace. I would not be surprised if that were the case because it looked like it. Well, and they did it appropriately in the media uh, after after game three, especially, you know, I thought Dame for sure was going to get fined with him talking about like, hey, I mean, every time we're down, every time we do anything, it's automatically a foul, but they can get away with anything. I thought he was getting fined for that. A couple other players that came out with comments along those lines. But, you know, it, it is one of those things where if you kind of come off as a whiny, petulant child. Right. You know, yelling, oh, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell? You're, you're not as likely to get rewarded for it, you know, on the court. And you're not helping your team by giving the other guys a five-on-four fast break. That's right. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about Nurkic I wanted to point out. We had mentioned a little bit ago about his individual plus-minus, which I, I'm ge- I am generally, I, I, I keep saying this, and now it's going to lose all meaning. I generally am not a huge fan of that stat to say that someone's having an impact or not. But it's so perfectly matching the eye test that I'm just using it. Nurk 
through the first three games was leading the team. And I'm, rem- I'm trying to remember, I think it was something like a plus nine in the minutes that he played through three games. Well, Nurkic was a plus 32 in game four. So he's yep. something like a plus 15 when he's on the floor. And a little of that is, is, is pulled out of proportion because of how much the Blazers won by in game four. But Ryan, here's my hot take about Nurkic. If the Blazers continue to mirror his minutes with Nikola Jokic, the Blazers will win this series. Period. I think it's as simple as that. The Blazers are playing yeah. better. They, like they are playing better than the Nuggets when Nurkic is on the floor. Uh, Jokic is not having the same impact for the Nuggets as Nurkic is for the Blazers. Which you can parse that out a little bit, and like that's maybe not actually true. But it not only does it feel true. This one specific stat that supports my preconceived opinion also says that it's true. So I'm going to say that it's a great. <laughs> well, I mean, and one of the other things too, to look at and, and what kind of gives you a little bit of, you know, hope or promise or whatnot is that, you know, in the two losses to the nuggets, I mean, game two, probably the biggest disparity, but game three, it, it, it's been close games and, and it's, it's, they've been, They've had the ability to win every single game, even the ones that they've lost. I don't feel that way about the Nuggets' two losses. Yep. So, but so what are you looking? What what uh what? Let's, uh, I had a mouthful of ice. About, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fine. <laughs> did fine. I say already that my AC has been out for way too long and I'm just sweating? I, I'm basically you. You, t- you told me that. Oh, well, I'm telling all you that, and I am spoiled. I used to not have AC for a long time, and I was fine. And now I've had it for wow, it's been it's between two different places for about six or seven years, and now I'm like I'm melting. We're on the top unit, and the heat from the other two units just. I mean, oh. by this time of day, it's it's rotten. Sorry. You, you were I, uh, <laughs> I, I, tur- I turned my AC off that's been running all day and keeping my house nice and perfectly chilled. I turned it off because I didn't want the fan to annoy you through the microphone. Oh, well, so you do a good I'm enough just... job annoying me anyway, so a next <laughs> fan's not going to hurt anything. No, uh, what... no I, 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 was, I was going uh, – looking ahead to game five. What wholesale adjustments does Terry Stotts need to make? Uh, obviously, bench Damian Lillard, uh, CJ McCollum. Yep. Uh, he can be six-man, and we're going to start CJ Ellaby. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's right because, you know, uh, that – <laughs> you had let's see uh tj leaf uh got in there for a couple buckets yeah no um I, so the biggest thing for looking forward to game five which is tomorrow because this pod will come out tonight um the mirroring nurks minutes to Jokic has has got to continue um the way that the blazers are playing Jokic has got to continue they the blazers can't get rattled if the if the denver's guards start hitting a couple shots that's going to happen uh and I think probably the biggest thing is Norman Powell just has to continue being super, super disruptive. Again, it, it just it's a wholesale change in energy that you can feel. It's palpable, and it really, really helps. It also, that kind of stuff allows Dame to take plays off and to get some wind um, because he's been playing, you know, up until this last game, been playing like 40-plus minutes a game, so he needs some rest, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I will say 
I'll turn the question back to you, but with I'll, I'll lead it in with this. Uh, just before we jumped on air, Jason Quick, who is a reporter with The Athletic, obviously he's been covering the Blazers for a long time, he reported that Damian Lillard is telling the team that Game 5 is the game, that this is the game, the one coming up tomorrow, that they have to get it. Uh, I appreciated the, the reporting Jason did because he dug deeper and got to the fact that Damian Lillard, as a leader... He doesn't often just spew hyperbole and like, you know, oh, we got to go get him every single game. Like he's not 100 miles an hour all the time. He picks his spots as a leader when and where to say things like that. And he took this opportunity to say that because I agree with Dame. I think whoever wins tomorrow wins the series. I do think yeah. that. Yeah, and part of uh, uh, a bigger quote of his in, um, in the – because I think that was just in his general media availability. So not not, not to not to hate on Quick's reporting on that, but I think that was that was in the general Zoom call. I'm but trying the, to kiss the, Jason Quick's ass because I ragged on him so much a couple episodes ago, right? See what I'm doing? Yeah, you're tired of, and now you're tired of having Blazer Media personalities block. Yeah, I get it. No. So. Oh, man. I have, I have another – We are not – we are, we are not – we are not yeah, – so yeah, that yeah. is off air. You can fill me in on that. <laughs> But Dame's full quote, he said, this ain't a situation where we can be like, all right, lock in, we've we've got to have this game. Uh, we said that after game one, came out in game two and got blasted. We've got to actually walk the walk with this one. This is a big one. I think everybody is on the same page with that tomorrow is the night. I think that's right. And also, here's something kind of funny, too. A lot of people lambasted Coach Stotts a couple games ago for during his media availability after game two, basically saying, ah, we don't really have to adjust. And people are like, oh, my God, what a terrible coach. Well, you know what Mike Malone... Michael, Mike, Michael, Coach Malone for the Denver Nuggets said after Game Four, he didn't talk about substantive substantive adjustments. He just said, "Well, we got our asses kicked. We need to play with more energy," which is the kind yeah. of thing that people criticize Stotts for. Now, there will be adjustments that Denver makes. I don't expect Coach Stotts or Coach Malone to tell the media what those adjustments are. And so, as much as I don't think Stotts should have been criticized for saying something like that after Game Two, I don't think Coach Malone should be criticized for saying something like that after Game Four. But I do know the. Nuggets are going to try something. Do you have any guesses as to what it might be? Because I've been trying to think, well, what is it they could do differently to try to get some? Because it, it really does look like structurally the Blazers have the advantage here it's, it's, to my eye. So I don't know. What do you think the, the Nuggets might try to do? I think they're going to dip dip their toe back in the well of what got them success in game two and try to try to muck it up, muck the game up a little bit. Part of whatever, what else Mike Malone said, just got to point <laughs> that out. Mike Malone uh, said is is that they played soft and that they need to play harder. They need and you know Porter Jr. again is talking about that he wants to impose his will. So I think Denver knows that they they do not necessarily have the personnel to keep up with the Blazers, but. The, not all adjustments are X's and O's. That X's and O adjustments that you see, there is some mind fuckery that goes on. So, we saw that in game two. You get the team super frustrated. You get them thinking that the refs are, you know, they're they're playing against the refs too or whatnot, or they're getting frustrated and they're getting beat up. It can get into their head a little bit. So the Blazers, besides needing to stick to their on-paper game plan, need to have a lot of mental resilience and and toughness in order to 
be ready for whatever Denver is going to try to throw at them because I, I think that is going to be their biggest thing is they are going to try to get in the Blazers' head. I think that's that. I think that's right. And the good news, if you're a Portland fan, is the Blazers do have a number of players who can play that way. Like Damian Lillard is, he can manufacture fouls out of thin air, let alone if the team is trying to be aggressive. So if that's the way Denver wants to play, I think that Damian Lillard knows how to play like that and take advantage. I think the same of Norm Powell. The the player you might worry about a little bit is Yusuf Nurkic. He can be rushed at times. He has shown that he can be rattled at times and I think that message of discipline of really knowing what your game plan is and sticking to it I think Nurkic has done a really good job of that in this series on the whole and did a masterful job of that in game four so if Denver does try to muck it up and get dirty and start throwing stuff I think that Yusuf Nurkic staying calm is going to be important. And look, if that means that Nurkic gets dunked on a couple times, he gets embarrassed a couple times, Jokic, you know, pulls the chair on defense or he, you know, does a drop step on offense and spins around Nurkic and just kind of yams it in his face. Nurk has to stay calm. Nurk can't foul out of this game. Like Nurkic has to be on the floor, right? So it's like, that's probably, um, if I were Denver, I agree with you just, and that's like, it's not a tactical thing. It's an energy thing. It's just mucking it up. I think the Blazers could, could potentially see that. Um, Yeah. One of the things I always find funny too, is that we're coming into game five. There is absolutely, you know, my, my, that is one bet that I have now lost my Blazers in five bet that is now off the table. But, uh, but again, I only bet that because the odds were great. I didn't actually think that the Blazers would win in five. I love all of the overreactions for every win and every loss on, oh, my God, the Blazers, you know, playing the parade now to, oh, my God, this team sucks. Just blow it all up. Start over again when it's like three games in. Yeah. And I, <laughs> because it's like, hey, yeah, I th- well, how many games did you think this was going? Oh, I thought this would be a seven-game series. Okay, well, you know people got to lose some games to get to seven, right? <laughs> Exactly. I'm and I'm guilty of that prisoner of the moment stuff. But I will say that, like, to me, I, I, I'm saying it maybe too much and maybe it's oversimplifying stuff. But I use of is literally the key. His impact on both ends when he has been on the court has been undeniable. We have now seen we have a sample size of, you know, one game if you have him on the court when Jokic is on the court that's a good thing for the Blazers uh probably the things that I'd be worried about are you know Jokic is going to shoot better he just will some of those shots are going to fall uh I'd also be concerned that the Nuggets bench continues to outperform the Blazers bench. I think it was something like in that first shift that the bench had, the Nuggets were a plus six in game four. That's not quite as bad as being a plus 14 as they were in game three. And I think that's probably, you know, four, six, two, something in there is a, is a reasonable range. I don't think that that's too much, but that could be concerning. Uh, The good news about that though, is that, in the playoffs, you can play your best players 40-plus minutes, so you can really minimize the amount of time that you have to go to your bench. And I also think the Blazers have found something with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I know that his stats didn't jump out of the page for last game, but his his impact was palpable. Having somebody who is mobile defensively, who knows what to do defensively, even if he is a zero on offense, is 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 a huge deal. It matters. And I think that the Blazers can look forward to that in game five. Uh, I don't know if we've gotten to the point. We have a couple Twitter questions, but do you want to give predictions? Are we doing that? Like, what do you think? If you were to guess, what do you think is going to happen in game five? Uh, I think this may actually be um, 
I think this will be close. I think this this will come down to last last basket, last possession kind of thing. I think both teams know that this game matters. Um, well, duh, every game matters, but know that this getting game five is important. You know, you can't look at it as a seven game series. Now it's not. It's now a, a three game series best of three so i mean obviously if you whoever picks up game five they're they got two tries to get one win um but i think this is going to be a really close game within two to three points i was just trying to look at what the line is for it and i think it's currently denver minus one and a half so even vegas i think has that being a little close but but that's that's where i'm at for game five and i i don't lie i think i don't think this series is going to get a game seven Interesting. No matter who wins, I don't think it's getting a game seven. I I think I I think I agree with you. Um, I definitely agree that it, this is a little reductive. I think who wins this game tomorrow does win the series, whether it's in six or seven. I do think the Blazers win tomorrow. I don't think that the Nurkic stuff. I don't think that's a fluke. I think that's real. I think the numbers are truing up with the eye test on that. I think if the Blazers can keep Nurkic on the floor, I think they win the game. I think they win the series. The Blazers have more talent than the Nuggets. They just do. And uh, But it's really, again, Damian Lillard said it's all about tomorrow. It's all about game five. And I, I hope that they do take that game seven mentality into this because they really, really, really do need to win this game. And they've shown they can win in Denver. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, okay, we will see what happens tomorrow. But a couple of Twitter questions really quick and then we can get ourselves out of here we have one from diego at migiante it's at m-a-g-i-a-n-t-e apologies if i mispronounced but they ask how can the blazers improve the quote bench minutes i have a thought about this but i'm curious your thoughts how can they make the bench minutes better uh I guess I'm going to need a, a little, like, context. Like, what? Like, change who's in the bench? Change players that are getting – who's getting what minutes? Or it could how, be, do you, how do you take this? Cause it could be either I was of get- those things. I, I take it as if your one job was to get the Blazers bench minutes to not give up, you know, so many points, basically, to play better, right? Not a minus 14, not a minus 6 but something like break even during the bench minutes. And that could be lineups. It could be tactics. But in your view, what could they do? And again, you can kick it to me, too, because I, I do have a thought about this. Great, because I got nothing. Because, I mean, the, the biggest thing for... I think it's Ronde. Well, I think, yeah, I think, well, yes. I think that's yes, but you're not, you're, not getting, you're not getting a lot of offense from him with that. I don't think you uh, need any, it. Any, I don't think you but, need it. Like, I, like, I get that. Look. Look at this series with Ennis Cantor, who would have been, who's the person I'm suggesting to continue replacing all of his minutes with Rondé. It it did happen in game four. I'm just saying keep it rolling. Ennis was a zero on defense. He was also a zero on offense. So the fact that Rondé Hollis Jefferson is a zero on offense doesn't matter. Also, Ennis Cantor doesn't really stretch the floor anyway. So the places where Ennis Cantor would be on offense are going to be kind of clogging up the lane a little bit. You could argue that by fa- the fact that Rondé at least is going to be hanging out in different areas of the court, that A, the Nuggets haven't game planned for that as much, and B, maybe it does somehow, even though he's not a shooter, maybe it does open up a little bit more space than it would with Cantor, who's also been a zero on offense. So I don't know. That's that's my my answer. It's very simple. It's Rondé. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was trying to think of things I did that I had not seen yet, so that is why I omitted the Rondé. Well, I wanted but, to go uh, with an easy answer that I knew yeah. I felt confident about. <laughs> 
Yeah, because other than that, it's just that the bench has to hit sh- hit better shots. Depth I mean, shots, uh, yeah. What, yeah, and I hate that. It's so cliche that you just got to make shots. You just got to get stops. It's it's such a cliche answer, but that's what it is. And uh, the, the biggest. The biggest like tactical adjustment or whatnot or like individual player adjustment I should say outside of like the round of Hellas Jefferson over Cantor is uh, just mellow. Catch and shoot mellow is the best mellow. Isolation mellow is shit mellow. And I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care that he's more efficient on post ups and isolations than he is in catch and shoot situations. Just <laughs> stop it. Just give me catch and shoot mellow so I don't have to keep yelling at my TV screen. I will say this is sort of a weird argument. <laughs> against that because I, I basically agree but there is something if your team if you're up let's say you're up by eight or ten points and you are kind of blocking a comeback from the other team how demoralizing is it for the other team when mellow gets the ball and just pounds the air out of it for 15 seconds and you see the shot clock tick down to four three two and then he turns around with a hand in his face and hits some bullshit fadeaway jumper that's demoralizing and like i <laughs> like I, i'm not saying that has extra value but like in my mind like maybe it does like i don't know so i mostly agree with you though uh there's a second question here from Triple Dog at Eric J. Also, I think that's your that's your buddy, right? That's a that's my buddy. That's my okay. buddy. Uh, Eric asks, "What would you like to tweet at Nurk to fire him up and make him call you out?" Leave that with you, Ryan. What would you tweet at Nurk to fire him up and make him call you out? Uh, I'm going to apologize for pronunciation on this because uh, I will butcher it, but I will do my best, and it would be. Uh, what is that? Fuck your beard. Oh my god. That would piss me Because I'm a lover of beards, but man, he's got a patchy beard and he's got some stuff to clean up, so there, there there's my there's there's my there's my nicest tweet I could tweet at him to fire him up. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, making fun of someone's facial hair is always always a solid choice. Uh there are there have been some pictures of me from a couple years ago that have resurfaced because I resurfaced them, uh, where I have some pretty terrible facial hair and as you can see now i don't have any facial hair because i cannot pull it off um what would i tweet at him to fire him up and make him call me out i i don't know here's that so this is a cop-out answer i wouldn't because he nurkic is playing about as well as you could possibly hope for him like i wouldn't touch a thing whatever he's doing whatever's happening i love it keep it rolling i'm like for this series He's going up against the presumptive MVP of the league. And it's not all Nurkic. Part of this is, you know, Stotts' scheming and game plan and the player's discipline to stick to it. And by the way, yes, Stotts can scheme and does have game plans and has made some adjustments. So, you know, even though they haven't come as fast as maybe as I'd like them to, I just want to give him some credit there. But Nikola Jokic has been averaging, I, I don't have it in front of me, something like what, like three or four assists a game that's like or maybe even less that's like half half of his season season average maybe a little bit less than half like the best passing big man in the history of the nba with apologies to arvita sabonis and perhaps bill walton but the best passing big man in the history of the nba is being choked out of his most bankable skill and to Jokic's credit he's been responding with amazing shooting right like i mean he's been scoring and, and been picking it up on that end but a lot of that does have to do with Nurkic. So Nurkic playing as well as he as he is right now, I wouldn't say a single thing to him. So I'm going to just sidestep the premise of the question and ignore it altogether. 
Nicely done. Yeah. Nicely done. It's a very slippery government answer from one Brandon Goldner. Um, yep. Okay, so the game is tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited. They are, yes. Denver is one and a half point favorites. I did look this up, okay. and uh, the ESPN Basketball Power Index has uh, Portland with only a 47.1% chance of winning the game. Only. I, only. Um, only basically a coin toss. I Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's right. I think it's going to be close. Uh, it, it again. It seems as though Denver has slightly overperformed their talent level on the whole in this series. I think, and despite that, when you do look at the 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 plus minus of these four games, again, yet another, another thing I don't have in front of me, but I'm fairly certain that the Blazers have scored more cumulative points in the series than the Nuggets. By 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 a decent chunk, despite the fact that it's tied two to two, and that's something that we pointed to during the regular season, saying, "Oh, the Blazers, their net rating is only like you know like a plus one and some change, even though they've won this many games, so they're really overperforming their point total." Well, the Nuggets are overperforming their point total by being tied two two. This should be three one Blazers, I think. So. To me, I think the Blazers have structural advantages. They have more places they can pivot. They have more adjustments they can make. Stotts may have been slow to make some of them. He's made them. It's now up to Denver to adjust. And look, I think if the only adjustment from Denver is that they play with more energy, they try to muck it up, I I think the Blazers know how to handle that. They had the playoff experience specifically against this team in the past. They've they've gone seven games with this team, even though it's maybe different than than it is now. So I'm rambling, but I'm excited. And and yeah, Denver minus 1.5. That sounds about right. Coin toss. So yeah, I'm not not mad at that. Yep. I... Tomorrow's game. A lot of yelling, a lot of hooting and hollering, a lot of screaming. What what time is the game? What? Six. Okay. That's a reasonable hour. Uh... Okay. Not that not that anybody in uh, Denver will be able to watch it, but you know. Oh, yeah. First of all, because they don't have the fans, but but then second of all, because their local broadcasting and national broadcasting are having. They're on. This was a thing back in the 2019 Western Conference. How has nobody fixed something in three years? Uh, money, greed, bastards, contracts. I mean, that's why. Hey, that's why a lot of people. Sorry, I'm chewing ice again because I'm just sweating. Um. Ryan, you know, a lot of people, a lot of very reputable people who care a lot about the NBA and would otherwise pay actual money through completely legitimate channels to support it have to revert to other means. If they don't have cable, they have no other way to watch the games. Well, they have to find other ways to do it. And that's just what happens, right? So, like, give people the option to conveniently and easily pay some money to watch these games. Let's, like, whatever. Anyway, um, okay. I'm excited for game five. Uh, do you have any last thoughts, any final thoughts, um, bold predictions or hot takes? Got nothing. I think I've, I think I've said all my hot takes and bold predictions. Uh, well, that is one successful episode with zero notes. Good work. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do it. I'm at GoldnerPDX on Twitter. You can also reach the podcast at LikeTheBlazers or at WeLikeTheBlazers.com. Please subscribe. Uh, leave us a rating if you can. Ryan, where can people find you? At the witty Ryan on Twitter, and uh, my <laughs> home address is. Oh wait, don't no, do no that. Way. I like how you're making fun of my over enunciation. How dare you? Uh, you know, it's what one last thing, and I'll let you go. But I listened to an interview. I'm gonna re- keep it nameless. But like the the over enunciation thing 
I understand why it's important and I actually have been trying over time to work on my enunciation because it does, it's easier to listen to if people can understand the distinction between your words. All I'm going to say is that sometimes people maybe take it a little too far. I don't know. That's <laughs> so anyway, um, shout out to all the communications professionals doing your best. Appreciate all of you. Uh, excited and go Blazers. Go Blazers. <laughs>